The Earning the Push podcast is on the air, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans talking about the two things we love the most, what we would do if we were in charge of the industry and how things look at the moment. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a pro broadcaster. With me each and every week is the hide and right to my Snitsky, the barbed wire to my baseball bat. He is a pro athlete in this little equation, the one and only Charlie Beckett. How are you? I'm very well, Jack. The highlight of my week every week is hearing what sort of pairing you're going to put us in to start this podcast. Jack never runs these by me. And each week we get more and more ridiculous. So I look forward when we're a year into this, what sort of pairings you're putting us together as then. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to ration them out for a year because we're going to run out. Um, can I just say before we get started as well, I'm drinking from a cup today. Um, You'll see this, Charlie, as we drink. This looks like a shirtless Eric Bischoff. It's not. It's Daniel O'Donnell. This is um, a novelty mug I got given from work, but I suddenly thought if I don't mention this at the start, it's going to appear in shot and you're going to wonder. I kind of wish it was a topless Bischoff. And also, is there actually a market for that now? Have we found a niche in the market that topless Bischoff merchandise is where we need to go? It was a gift someone got me, and it was because I interviewed Daniel O'Donnell at one point. And um, as it came out of the box, I thought, that's Eric Bischoff. That's Eric it's Bischoff. A, hold it back up to the camera again. This, Look at it, this. Here we go. Is a prime when he's tinting his hair as before before he was happy going gray that's a prime bischoff yeah yeah i was gonna go maybe 96 bischoff before he hits the end yeah, yeah. in his modeling days anyway none of this is of interest to all the folks listening out there today but i thought i'd flag it up to you we got a busy program today loads to get into in part two we're fantasy booking the resurrection of bray wyatt in part three what we're sending back to developmental and what we're giving the push to and part one as always is casting our eye over a busy week in wrestling uh, you can get involved earning the push podcast at hotmail.com at charlie underscore Beckett at Jack underscore Murley. We'll do some of your thoughts as we roll along. And we will touch a little bit on something that, that I threw out on uh, social media earlier this week about Eurovision and wrestling themes. But before that, Raw, NXT, SmackDown and AEW all in the can. Charlie, where do you want to start? What's caught your eye in wrestling this week? I want to start with what we ended on last week, where you asked me, will Cesaro still be in the main event picture coming out of SmackDown this week? And I said, I think he won't. And I'm very happy to report it looks like I'm wrong. It looks like Cesaro is going to be staying in the main event picture along with Roman. And I'm actually fascinated by how Seth Rollins comes into this equation, because I don't see how they don't end up with the summer feud for the universe being Seth versus Roman. That just makes sense to me. But the fact that they're involving Cesaro in it all, it just, again, I've waxed lyrics on this podcast for about the whole universal title picture, but there's just so much going on there. But my main takeaway from it is I'm just so happy to see Cesaro. It looks like he'll probably get another crack at a pay-per-view at the universal title, because I think him to be one and done would be unfair, both for the performance he put in at the recent pay-per-view, but also his 10 years of his body of work in WWE. So I'm really happy to see him still in the universal title picture. See, my take of that coming out of last week's SmackDown was different. I thought he was heading into a feud with Seth Rollins, and I thought that maybe, maybe, maybe they were heading towards Hell in a Cell for a match between the two of those. But either way, he's still in the top tier of that level at SmackDown. And we also saw on SmackDown one of your favourites, Alistair Black, re-emerging yes. on the scene. I was about to come into this. Oh, I got to see a black mass live in a wrestling ring again. I was very, very happy about it. It's my favourite finisher. And he's my favourite wrestler, probably, I'd say, since Undertaker on the Tombstone. I just, I, it seems that I've got a thing for spooky dudes with long hair. 
that seems to be my niche when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> um, yes, I'm so intrigued to see, is he going straight into the Intercontinental title picture or is he feuding with Big E? Because actually, is there a story written straight away there of the power of positivity against the evilness of Alistair Black? Is that the summer feud? I'm really excited by that. I also really enjoyed that Fatal 4-Way for the Intercontinental title. I'm not too hot on Apollo Crews and his Nigerian character. It just doesn't quite sit right with me for a number of reasons. It just It's not hitting with me. But... I also think I've, there's a brilliant thread on um, Myth Gifts Wrestling on Twitter. She's brilliant. She loves Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens more than anyone loves anything in the world. But Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens and the ongoing feud, the, the Fight Forever feud they have, is one of my favourite things in wrestling. And she's a great thread about the similarities between now, I think it was the summer of 2016, and how they're building in the same sort of way. And I think we could see their rivalry reignite again this summer. And I'm never, ever unhappy to see Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in the same wrestling room together. I just think they have the best chemistry of any two wrestlers on the roster at the moment. So more of that, please. I'm always happy to see that. Let's go back to assuming you're right and we're going to be getting Roman Reigns against Seth Rollins through the summer for the Universal title. Who's the babyface in that? I don't think you have one per se, but I would say I hate Roman Reigns less than I hate this incarnation of Seth Rollins. Because can we just take a moment to talk about what Seth Rollins is continuously wearing? Is he referring to himself as the, the drip drip king or something ridiculous like that? Right, hold but, on. You're, you're younger than me. Did you know what drip meant? No, not no. at all. No, I had to Google it. Yeah, I, I, I had heard it used and pretend I know what it meant, but I don't actually. But now I believe it means clothes. So I just, don't think it means clothes. Well, I still don't know what it means then. What, right, what's... you you carry on your thought. I'm going to type in my little computer here what trip so is on Urban my... Dictionary. This could be very dangerous. Uh, my, my thoughts with Seth is, I just think he must be having the best fun going, what ridiculous thing can I design to wear this week? And I also love to think that Becky Lynch is just sat at home having these ideas as well, going, Seth, why don't you wear this? I think that's hilarious. But I think, I think Roman ends up, not as the baby face, but as... I think you want to see Roman Reigns beat Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins is such a whiny, annoying heel, whereas Roman is just a bit of a badass heel. Whereas actually, I just want to see Roman beat the crap out of Seth, really, if I'm honest. I want to see him take him to task for 25 minutes. So, drip is an adjective similar to swag, sauce, steez, and swank, as in, man, my outfit is dripping right now. There are some other definitions that are not broadcast worthy, but apparently that's what it means. Right. We, like to, we like to educate yeah. on this pod. Yeah. Yes, we've educated me today. We've educated me. So look, if, if we go down that route you're talking about here and we go back to live touring as WWE has announced they will be doing and Roman Reigns almost de facto becomes the babyface in the feud with Seth Rollins, is Rollins credible enough to, to pose a threat to Reigns, given how strongly they've booked him. And we've spoken on this pod in the past about who takes a title from him. Yeah, I think Rollins absolutely is strong. I think Seth Rollins and what he's done and where he's at in WWE is a credible threat to anyone. He's done it all. And actually, bell to bell in the ring, he's probably still WWE's best performer, probably, in the golden era of performing, you'd argue. So I think he is a credible threat. I don't think he should take it off him. I don't, I don't know who should, but I don't think he should be Seth. I just keep saying it shouldn't be that person, but I don't know who you'd have. But I think you could get a great summer of matches out of them. But also you get a great story of it seems Seth is the only person. And he, he does seem to be without saying it. He's re referencing back to their shield days, their brethren, that he doesn't, he's not scared of Roman. He doesn't have to acknowledge Roman because 
actually he knows Roman better than anyone. So I think there's a great story to be told there as well. But we'll see what they end up doing with it. Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com is how you can get in touch. At Charlie underscore Beckett is him. I'm at Jack underscore Murley. Part two of the program is about fantasy booking, the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. We did John Cena's return for the first few weeks of the pod. We move on to the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. We'd love to hear yours. We'll talk AW double or nothing in a moment or two. By the time this goes out, there'll have been a big NXT main event, the rematch between Karrion Cross and Finn Balor. And we saw a title change for the North American title last time out. NXT seems to be rolling and rolling and rolling, Charlie, without quoting Limp Biscuit. Yes. Uh, NXT's just doing that thing again, isn't it? Where they've come out of a takeover. They have a quietish few weeks. So they just start to build and they kind of say to the fans, okay, this is where we're going. And then bam, you have the huge steel cage match last week, title change. Huge main event tomorrow night with a carrying cross on Finn Balor. And suddenly, like you say, NXT's rolling again and they're off. And you've got Adam Cole sat in the background saying, whoever wins, he's coming back to take back his title. Like, it's, yeah, it's just starting to get going again. I love the little interaction between Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish last week when Bobby mm. can't save Kyle. And Kyle's like, I'm kind of doing my own thing. And Bobby's like, yeah, no, I know you are. I'm coming back to do my own thing as well, but we're still mates. So, yeah, NXT is just picking up, uh, picking up a little bit of a momentum again. And, they just do it so well. It's just, it's almost like a tried and tested NXT formula now, isn't it? That they just work takeover to takeover, after takeover, a few quiet weeks where they just do some good wrestling and then bam, here's your stories. We're getting excited. Who do you think will win tomorrow night's main event? Karrion Cross retaining or is Finn, Finn get it back? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously by the time this goes out, people will know. So I'm going to stake my my claim on it being Karrion Cross. I think it's too soon for him to lose the title. I don't think Finn Balor needs it. And I think if I'm looking at a money feud down the line, I'm keeping the title on Karrion Cross for six, seven, eight months. And then at some point, Walter's going to wander into the equation. And I don't really feel big on unification matches, but if, if there was a way to have those two in the ring for the NXT Championship. Take all my money now, WWE. Have as much as you'd like. Yeah, I, I think you're so right. I think I, the way Walter has been booked in NXT UK, I would almost do. You know when they moved Asuka up to the main roster and she just, reti- she just retired her title reign as women's champion? I'd be tempted to do that with Walter. I think, have him say, I've done everything in the UK. I've conquered here. I'm going to America and make it a complete move from NXT UK to NXT. I know he's flirted with both, but having to make a complete move and saying, I'm leaving the UK title here and then have a tournament for it because I'm a sucker for a tournament. But I just think the way he's been booked and the way that, more importantly, the way that NXT UK title is booked, I've spoken about it before, it is the most prestigious title in WWE. In fact, I think it's only had three holders, hasn't it, in its four or five year existence now. So that's what I do. And yeah, I think Karrion Cross was brutally unlucky with his injury when it happened. I think he was going to get a long-term title reign for him. You see the way he was booked last week in the ring where he's fought off the three, four of them at once. He's being booked as a monster. Him losing to Finn tomorrow night makes no sense. If you really want to put him over, have Finn come back as the demon at TakeOver and have Karrion beat him. So, and I say this knowing that Finn Balor is the unrequited love of my life, but in the, in the depth chart of NXT... Without that title, is Finn Balor top tier? And I don't mean that as a knock to his talent, his ability, what he can do. But in terms of presentation, if you take that title away from him, or rather if you don't give him the title back and you take him out of the title picture, doesn't he slide below Gargano, Cole, O'Reilly, 
Champa, Walter, he suddenly drops quite a way down. Yeah, and it's crazy that we say that, but I think you're right, and it's testament to the talent NXT has and also yeah. the way they build their characters. Finn Balor, what hurt Finn Balor was that when he got the Universal title and then that injury, he's never really come back from that because WWE were ready to put all their all the sales and the mask to him and then he just got injured and they didn't really know what to do with him after that. And he came back to NXT and started to rebuild like the Prince character in NXT, that carnation of Finn Balor can be excellent. And I'm sure if he loses tomorrow or if they have a rematch and he loses, you probably take him off your screens for a while, give him a break, you let him go away for a while and then come back with a bang and go after one of those men you've just said because he can have great feuds with any of them in the mid card. doesn't have to be for a title. It can just be for the honour of NXT. He's, he's been there for that long. He can have these great feuds. But yeah, he does slip down and it's crazy to think that because Finn is one of the best in the world at this. But a lot of the best in the world are in NXT at the moment. Well, I would imagine that when we come to air next week, the thing we will be talking the most about is the sound of entrances at Daly's Place for Double or Nothing. Full capacity, 5,000 in the arena for a card that perhaps isn't the strongest that AEW has ever delivered in terms of anticipation. But the idea of having fans back to watch Pack versus Cassidy versus Omega for the title, the Young Bucks against Mox and Kingston, Stadium Stampede, Sting and Darby Allen teaming up, not in a cinematic match as well. That all is great, and I'm a big AEW fan. But what I'm really, really, really looking forward to is fans singing Wild Thing, fans singing Judas. It's wrong that a pay-per-view is all about the fans, not the talent. But after the year, 14 months we've had, it is. I know we had 25,000 at WrestleMania, but there's something about having a capacity crowd. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. 5,000 in a small arena are going to sound louder than 25,000 Raymond James Stadium just because of the acoustics of it. It's going to be unbelievable, especially with Wild Thing and Judas. These songs are so brilliant to hear. They're awesome entrance themes to sing along to. It's going to be excellent. And I think we said about it being a pay-per-view that has maybe a little less anticipation for AW. Isn't a bad thing right now because no. they've struggled with huge anticipation on delivering. Let them build quietly and then over-deliver because all the names you've just mentioned there are top-tier level talents in the ring. Pack, Cassidy and Omega are a triple threat. That could absolutely blow the roof off the place, those three, if they go. Um, Sting in a ring again. Not in a cinematic match, in the ring. Imagine the pop that's going to get. Um, the Bucks against Kingston and John Moxley. That could be excellent. So, and Stadium Stampede is what it is. It's so much fun. If they do it like they did last year, it's just so much fun. And also, there's a really hot rivalry on that between the two factions. So, yeah, probably not a bad thing that there's a little less anticipation because... Actually, AEW have delivered good pay-per-views that have suffered from people expecting too much from them. So hopefully they can take advantage of a little bit of a quieter bill and then really over-deliver. Yeah, and two other things I, I want to mention. Uh, in, in fact, actually, no, I'll just do this. is um, Miro, who, my goodness, gave one of the promos that I've been gagging to see. Funny threatening, real quick. Um, it, was, it was only a small segment with Lance Archer on this week's Dynamite, but I saw a flash of the Miro that maybe others had seen before that I hadn't quite seen. He is going to be a top-tier star if they keep booking him like that. Yeah, I think we all saw him as, uh, as Rusev in WWE is where people know him the best from. And if you're not watching AEW and seeing his work as Miro, I think we're at the start of something exciting now. But if there's anyone who's worked with him or anything on podcasts and interviews, they all say he's got everything it takes. And you can see in the ring, he's got what it takes and he's funny. 
like, if you listen to him on podcasts, like you listen to his talk as Jericho with him and Lana, he is a funny man, but he's also incredibly threatening. Look at the size of him. Like, who wouldn't be scared of him? So, hopefully, they're giving the ball, let him run with it a little bit, and we'll see a bit more of his character come through and his actual personality in his character as Mira. We certainly will. We'll definitely be talking about that next week. We'll also be doing the start of your fantasy bushing on the bushing, excuse me, the start of your fantasy booking on the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. We'll get into that in a moment or two. Remember, at Charlie underscore Beckett is him, at Jack underscore Murley is me. We are earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Hello to Helen, who's one of our new listeners, saying I'm really enjoying listening to earning the push uh, as I get the baby to sleep. You see, we're getting babies in, Charlie, to, uh, to wrestling nice and early. And I like that our... Our stories, our podcast, our voices are that interesting. It's genuinely putting people to sleep. So that's, that's, there's a review for us straight away. Exactly, exactly. If you enjoy what you hear, by the way, rate, review and subscribe. It's well worth doing. Uh, before we head to break, uh, we, were, we were back to developmental last week was Eurovision, uh, at mm. least on my, on my part. And I did end up watching it. And one of the things I threw out on social media during Eurovision, which was a long show, was what wrestling themes would make brilliant Eurovision entries. And we got some brilliant responses back from, from listeners to this podcast. Now, I, I picked Eddie Guerrero's Latino Heat, Billy Gunn's theme. I'm a nice man. Yeah, that yeah, one. yeah. yeah. One. yeah, yeah. Shane McMahon's Here Comes the Money. Dan says Randy Orton's voices would win the whole competition if it was swung by, sung by a moody Finn. And HBK's Sexy Boy would become an immediate camp classic. Loads of people seem to think that Robert Roode's Glorious would win oh, the whole thing. Uh, that, this would, is that would be glorious, though, wouldn't it? Emma says, get a load of men in dressing gowns on stage and see them win. Uh, Scott says, the Godfather's theme would win for sure. Joseph said, uh, I'm all grown up now by Stephanie McMahon has a certain sass to it that people would like. Uh, Paul says, I'm back by Eric Bischoff would be the one. Benjamin says, um, Juice and Domino, I'm all about cool. Do you even remember how that one went? I can't say I remember that. I, I can't. I, but is it because I've tried to erase everything about Juice and Domino from my mind? Who knows? Even Cherry on her little roller skates. Yeah, even Cherry on her roller skates. Even her, she has to go. Lucy says, what about John Cena's song? And uh, this is uh, Trach on Twitter. He says, you are missing the most obvious one. It is glorious uh, by Bobby Roode that would win. As I was watching Eurovision, there was a load of similarities between WWE staging and uh, their entries. Well, mainly the fact that it's a long show that you got a bit bored of by the end is the... Uh, is the uh, parallel i can't believe no one suggested um edgy theme tune how good would you think you know me be as the start of a eurovision song imagine how how much you could the production value around that because also just some scandinavian men singing that i'm thinking of if anyone's seen edge in vikings that sort of look that's that that would win i think load of dry ice yeah there, there's your there's your winner so what we're pitching to wwe next year's wrestlemania or when you eventually come to the uk the WrestleMania Song Contest. That seems to be where we're going here. 20 entrance themes, stage it, fan voting, get Amanda Holden to do the results. I think this is where we need to go. And then it'll all get blown out of proportion when Flo Rida rocks up for a country he's not from. <laughs> blown out of proportion by you messaging me saying, what, what, what's going on? I couldn't be, I wasn't watching, but I know that you would be. I was like, why is Flo Rida? I still don't really understand. And we'll be here all day if we talk about it. Yeah, let's take a break, shall we? Uh, Earning the Push podcast is on the air. Do not go anywhere. When we come back, we're fantasy booking the first part of our resurrection of Bray Wyatt storyline. Do not go anywhere. 
So we're back, part two of the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, that's Charlie Beckett. We are fantasy booking, as we always do in part two. A new topic this week, the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. I'm going to do mine this week to whet your appetite, then Charlie will do his next week, and we'll get into some of your ones wherever you're listening to us. Uh, remember, you can email them in, earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com, at charlie underscore beckett is him, at jack underscore Murley is me. We love hearing these. We know wrestling fans love fantasy booking um before we get into mine charlie supernatural you are the king of the big spooky men with the long dank hair on a scale of undertaker being the gold standard and boogeyman being the no 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 never again where did bray wyatt fit for you because i was never that sold on it he's fluctuated hugely early cut leader bray i was really interested by and then that kind of fell flat then I got really back into it when Randy Orton joined him. But then their WrestleMania main event ruined that. The holograms on the canvas just killed it. And then we were still making our old show when The Fiends debuted. And I was all in on The Fiends. All in. And what killed The Fiend, I thought, was win the title. Because why would he care about the title? But, okay, he had it. And then my least favourite man in wrestling turned up and ruined it all in Bill Goldberg. And since then, I haven't been interested. I won't lie. And everything's just been weird. The only thing he's done since then that I enjoyed was the Firefly Funhouse because that was that was just because that was so not WWE. Like, they took the mick out of themselves and John Cena, which WWE do not do. So I enjoyed that. That's it. So I've been very up and down, but I'd say, unfortunately, more down than up with Bray Wyatt. And that's something to do with him. I just think the way he's been booked and the stories he's been given have been pretty poor and just confusing at times. So I'm really, really interested to see how you fix him because I've been, I still am going around in my head with that. I'm not 100% sure on my booking yet. I've got a rough idea, but I'm almost like, you can't. I almost came on this week and said, you can't. It's done. Like, people will not get behind him again, but I'm sure there is a way because he's such a good performer when he's at his best. And people, people want to like Bray Wyatt. They feel from they want to like him. You've just got to give him the right story. Okay, well, let's see if mine is the right story. I'll give you all of mine this week. And there are three things I'm trying to do with this to sort of keep in mind. The first is we need to explain away some of Bray's supernatural taint, that stank that is still on him from all the supernatural stuff. We need to make him properly scary by the people around him. And I think with Bray Wyatt, less is more. So here is what I would do. Remember, this is a 10-week window, give or take. Here's how I would do it. So first week, we're on SmackDown, and Adam Pearce announces he signed Bray Wyatt to an exclusive contract. He points out that Bray has been gone since WrestleMania. He hasn't seen The Fiend since then, but he's done the deal remotely, and that Bray Wyatt will be coming to SmackDown. And Adam Pearce is just chuffed to bits with this acquisition. He is a huge signing, former champion, someone with name recognition. Adam Pearce, an inexperienced general manager, and that's important, is delighted with this acquisition. He is the only one who is delighted by this. Sonia Deville is instantly concerned. He's unhinged, Adam. He, he's unbalanced. I don't want him here. Why have you signed him? No, Sonia, trust me. He's a big name, but we're building trepidation. Michael Cole and Pat McAfee are concerned on commentary as well. Why would you bring Bray Wyatt to our show? And I think that's key in all this, because when you've seen what Bray Wyatt has done in the past, why would anyone want him on the show? So week two, 
and week three and week four are all vignettes looking at the evolution of Bray Wyatt, all his incarnations, everything he's done. And we're trying to explain away some of the supernatural stuff. So these vignettes actually have doctors in who say that Bray's different characters are actually just separate manifestations of a disturbed psychological man. There's a way he made himself feel understood by a world that didn't understand him. We also get sit-down interviews with some of the people who Bray has attacked, and they explain that when they were in the ring with Bray Wyatt, it was something very different. It was chilling. He was channeling an uncontrolled rage. They felt in danger, and they almost feel uncomfortable talking about Bray Wyatt. You get Finn Balor on a chair looking as if he can't really bring himself to talk about what Bray has done. Mick Foley doing the same, Kurt Angle. And after every vignette, people are questioning Adam Pearce as to why he would bring this man back, why they'd have him on SmackDown. And by the fourth week, Pearce is, is, is so sick of getting his judgment questioned. He does a sit-down interview with Michael Cole, and he says, Michael, he is a big acquisition. I can control Bray Wyatt. I can live with whatever the consequences are of bringing Bray back to the WWE. And he says, Michael Cole, you're the journalist. Next week, you're going to meet Bray Wyatt. So we've still not seen Bray at this point. We've still got the fear, the trepidation. And in the fifth week of this, we see Michael Cole make his way out to interview Bray Wyatt. And this is a multi-part series that runs through SmackDown. And we don't just see the interview. We see the build-up to it. It's almost shot like Blair Witch style, quite handheld. Michael Cole talking to his producer. They're trying to find where Bray is. Cole's talking about how he's been a war reporter, but nothing gives him chills like Bray Wyatt. He doesn't want to be doing this. And the camera follows Michael Cole as they go down a long, deserted lane. And in the distance, you see a wooden shack. And as they get into view, you see Bray Wyatt stood outside, perfectly still, looking down the road at Michael Cole. Almost think um, Silence of the Lambs, where yep. Jodie Foster walks down and there, there yep. he is. And so Cole is visibly creeped out and nervous. He's asking his camera people, who's just, who just stands in a doorway waiting? What does he want? And after each stage of the interview is aired because it's spread through SmackDown, Adam Pearce is getting more agitated. He's getting more worried. He's watching it happen. And so for the final part, he actually comes down to the ring to watch it on the Tron. And Pat McAfee's there talking on commentary about how this is very disturbing and he fears for Michael. And the actual interview is Michael Cole sat next to Bray Wyatt, who's sitting perfectly still in a rocking chair. And Cole asks him questions. Have you been watching the build to your return? Why are you coming back? What do you want to achieve? And Bray says nothing, because less is more with Bray. And then Michael Cole says, Adam Pearce says he can live with the consequences of your return. What does that mean? And Bray looks at Cole and laughs as if he can't believe Pierce has said that. And Cole is so uncomfortable. He looks at Bray and says, Bray, just how dangerous are you? And Bray says his only words. Well, I guess we'll find out. And the interview ends. And Pat McAfee is so disturbed by what he's seen. He stands up from the commentary desk and starts berating Adam Pierce. What have you done? Why are you bringing this guy back? Look at him. And Pierce storms up the ramp. And that's how that SmackDown ends. The next week, there's a locker room revolt. People are surrounding Adam Pearce. The roster is so nervous about what they saw with Bray Wyatt. 
and him coming back that they're almost saying they're not going to wrestle. And Piers stands on a chair and says, look, I'm the GM. I can control this guy. He is a champion. He is an achiever. He's too good to let go to Raw. I know what I'm doing. The locker room isn't convinced and still Pat McAfee on commentary isn't convinced. He's talking about how at some point Bray Wyatt is going to show up and raise hell. Why is Adam Pierce bringing this guy back? Week seven, we need to have Bray appear and we need to do it in a shocking way. And since we've done all the supernatural stuff with Bray, this needs to be shocking in a different way. So Cole and Pat McAfee are at the end of SmackDown giving the big sell to the next week's show. And suddenly... Bray Wyatt walks into shop. No smoke, nothing like that. He just appears behind Pat McAfee. And the cameraman's so shocked, the cameraman drops the camera and you can't see what's going on. You can just hear Michael Cole screaming at Pat to run. And then the show just goes off the air. We don't see what happens. We don't know what happens. It just goes. Because if Pat McAfee was really attacked, that's what would just happen. The next week we get the reaction. It's somber. There are security guards everywhere. Wrestlers are having to check in. It's effectively SmackDown in lockdown. And we open with Michael Cole saying that Pat McAfee would have wanted the show to continue and would have wanted the footage shown. And we get footage of what happened. And it's all shot on cameras because the actual cameramen would have gone. So it's all on camera phones. And what we see is Wyatt assaulting Pat McAfee, rolling him into the ring, pushing him into the turnbuckle on the bottom belt and just slamming his knees into him brutally over and over again, just knocking him out. And then Wyatt lies next to him, runs his hand down Pat McAfee's unconscious face and leaves. And Michael Cole has warned everyone. It's really disturbing footage. Pat is going to be back next week to explain what happened and get an answer from Adam Pierce. So the final week of my booking, we go back to SmackDown. It's still a police state feel. And Pat McAfee comes to the ring to confront Adam Pierce. Why did you bring Bray Wyatt back? And Pierce, after weeks and weeks of insisting he can control Bray, admits that he can. And Pat says, you need to fire the guy. He's a lunatic. And Pierce says, I can't. And Pat says, why? And Pierce says, I gave him a contract that gives him everything he wants. I was taken in by Bray Wyatt. He convinced me he's changed. I can't fire him. And Pat says, well, what does he want? And Pierce simply says, vengeance. And that's where we leave my fantasy booking. I hope it has built Bray Wyatt up. I hope it's got rid of some of the supernatural. And what I hope it's done is given the psychological aspect of fear, that Bray Wyatt is scary because of the dude he is, not because of anything else around him. That's how I would do it. I like that a lot. I like that it leaves Bray open now to whatever he wants to do, as in vengeance for so many, so many people who have wronged Bray Wyatt, that there is vengeance to be had all over the place. But I like how in the first few weeks, I love the less is more. I think that's so true. Any supernatural character in WWE, the more you see them, the less the less supernatural they are, just by the nature of the beast. But I love that the, the clever thing I think was getting like the psychiatric doctor to start to explain why he's been supernatural in the past and why he might not be now. It's because it's manifestations of an illness and that sort of. So I I, I love that. I really really liked that. What I really like is the whole. It will be filmed on camera phones because I do that. That's what takes me out of wrestling. Of someone's being assaulted and all anyone's doing is recording it and commentating. Well, no, no, that's not what you do in real life. That was happening. You'd go and help, or you'd get the police involved, or you would stop filming because 
that's just how it works. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. And like I say, I love the openness it gives Bray next. Like where who's he going after vengeance? And does he become a little bit less supernatural and more just a really scary man who has bad intentions because that's who he is, not because of his supernatural being. Well, the the other thing that I've never understood, and look, we, we give wrestling an awful lot of slack, but I never quite understood when The Fiend was popping up for a segment or two, why everyone didn't just leave the building. Like, what? Yes. You know, The Fiend's here, but damn it, I've got a women's tag team title match to prepare for. I mean, it never made sense to me. So if you're going to do a character as scary as that, <laughs> everyone needs to be scared. It almost needs to be like that NWO vibe of... There's the stories, but then this is happening over the top of it. That is really so. That's that's what I would do. Um, has it intimidated you for next week? Has it made you feel any better or worse? It's made me feel better. The fact that my ideas are very different. So what I was worried about you can do is look like I ripped you off, but I have a different idea. But no, I, it's made me excited now to do mine because actually it made me realise that with the right story, there's a lot to be done with Bray Wyatt still. I just want to I want to do that now. So it gives me a lot of food for thought to finish mine off this week. Well, the gauntlet is laid down. And obviously, this is a show about fantasy booking for everyone. So whether you loved that, whether you hated it, whether you would have taken it in a different direction, how would you book the resurrection of Bray Wyatt? Charlie's will come next week, uh, but you can get in touch right now. Email earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. That's earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. Tweets to at Jack underscore Murley is me. He is at Charlie underscore Beckett. Uh, don't forget when you're listening to us, if you like what you hear, share the love on social media. Sahel when you do that rate review subscribe doesn't take you a minute to do and fresh episodes get delivered to your device uh, we are back after the break for our final part what in our everyday life is earning the push and what is going back to developmental that is next So final part of the podcast. This is where we remember that wrestling is just one part of our rich and varied life as much as we might like to obsess about it. And we can apply terms from wrestling to everyday life. Uh, this is what we call earning the push, everyday things in life we'd like to see more of and back to developmental things we would like to see less of. Uh, already earning the push and back to developmental so far in this run are Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, chocolate Weetabixes, insects, Eurovision, uh, and so much more. Charlie, we'll do yours in a tick. Um, before that, your voice has held out well. You're feeling better now than last week. Yes, I um, I was on last week and probably everyone realised I was quite husky. In all of Jack's booking last week, all I kept doing was muting and just having coughing fits over here. And it was very unwell through the week. Thankfully, it wasn't COVID. I had tests because obviously we're training, so we have to test. But I didn't train much through the week to then play at the weekend. But thankfully, I'm on the mend now. A poor girlfriend, unfortunately, is, is bearing the brunt of my illness now as she's in the, the room in bed, not very well, bless her. But no, thankfully my voice held out this week and, uh, sorry, last week and, yeah, feeling a lot better this week. And what you need to do as well, if you haven't yet, go to Charlie's uh, Instagram page and see um, the most random photo I've ever seen from one of your rugby games where it looks like you've taken the most dangerous bump from a powerbomb ever. You're, you're like folded up like an accordion. It was it was quite something. I felt like you were Rey Mysterio and you'd just been hit by a Kevin Nash powerbomb. Yeah, I don't really know how I ended up in that position. It was after an offline. I think I was doing, a, somehow I'd end up doing a backwards uh, roly poly, which anyone who knows me is not a natural movement for me to do. <laughs> but yeah, the screenshot, it's on my story at the moment. I'm sure it will go up again at some point. It's just me looking in the most, like you say, like a power bomb's going completely wrong. I've taken it all on my neck and head. It, it was not a pleasant thing to look at, but we're glad you're okay, both in terms of the cold and, and uh, your rugby injuries as well. Um, look, do you want to go first or second on this part of the show? What do you want? 
I'll go first week because mine aren't that controversial this week. Back to developmental, it's the most British thing in the world. It's just the weather at the moment here oh. in England. Like, I was looking at photos of this time last year when we were locked down. I was in Devon for lockdown, around Devon, doing so many stunning walks in all the sun. And like last night at training, I've been if I jumped in the swimming pool, I wouldn't have been any wetter than when I finished training yesterday. Like just covered in mud, and the weather is just disgusting. And it's just sod's law, is it? As the world is starting to open up again and we can do things, the weather is now stopping us. So the most British complaint in the world there is the weather. Earning the push for me this week is this weekend just gone. On Saturday, it was the Allianz Premier 15 semi-finals. Now, if anyone yes. doesn't know, that's the women's rugby premiership in England. And I was lucky enough to be at one. First of all, to be at a live sporting game again was amazing. Like I played in front of the crowd, but to be in a crowd with thousands of people watching rugby was amazing again. And I was at the Harlequins versus Wasps game. And the other semi-final was Saracens versus Loughborough Lightning. Now, I was at the Quins one because my sister plays for Harlequins in England, so I was supporting Harlequins. But the two games were absolutely brilliant games of rugby. and Maybe one of the, one of the uh, criticisms of the league, the Women's Premiership in seasons gone by, is every year it's been a Harlequin-Saracens final, and it is again this year. But take last season, those semi-finals, for example, they were both very one-sided, two Harlequins and Saracens. Whereas this year, the two semi-finals were great games and very competitive. Harlequins won 24-15, I believe it was, or 25-14. So a very close game. And Saracens won 28-24. So two brilliant games of rugby. Final this Sunday at King's Home in Gloucester, just around the corner from where I live, which I cannot wait to be at. I'm hoping for a Harlequins win, obviously, with uh, my family interest there. But just two brilliant games of rugby. Great, great advert for the sport, but more importantly for the league and women's sport in general, which just women's sport for me earns the push every week. It needs more investment, it needs more eyes on it. Uh, anyone who's a rugby fan, go and check out those two games for the weekend. And this Sunday, the 30th of May, Four o'clock, be watching the Allianz Premier 15s final because it, it is going to be a brilliant game with so many international athletes out there and I'm very excited for it. So that's what's earning the push from me. Yeah, here, here. I'd echo all of that. And actually, as we begin to open up in the UK as well, I would just say get along to your local rugby club and support them. It's been a tough time for all clubs, but go and support, buy a drink in the bar, watch a game, get involved. You won't find a friendlier atmosphere than at a local rugby club and maybe start playing. You know, there are so many women's teams, walking rugby teams springing up. I've been doing oh, a Jack, bit of that. Jack, Jack, you have to quickly tell the story you told me off air of what happened when you went back to walking rugby. Give the quick one of how your mum was almost starting fights at walking rugby. So I'm from a a fairly sporty family. My dad played for the Cornish Pirates um, in terms of rugby. My mum played uh, hockey for for the south of England. So we're we're a sporty family. And uh, mum and dad are sort of in their 60s. They wanted to do some sports. So they started doing walking rugby and they invited me up. And I thought, why not? It's going to be fun. You've never met anyone more competitive than my mum. She had the ball and there was a 17-year-old colt then she just waved the ball in his face going, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? My mum is all of five foot two, maybe. And then she scored a try. And I don't want you to think it was like an end to end dash. It's walking rugby. She went in from five yards. She kissed the turf, Charlie. She kissed <laughs> the turf. It was unbelievable. It really was. So uh, uh, if you if you ever come across a woman more competitive than my mum or a man more competitive than my mum, I, I would love to see it. I know you're a competitive family, given what, what yourselves and your siblings do. But I mean, my mum is a different breed. To be taunting a 17-year-old at walking rugby is a different level of competitive. I'm just so here for it. I'm actually tempted to come down to Cornwall and watch the next Murley family walking rugby outing just to see what happens. 
She she would take you down, my friend. She would have no qualms. She'd give it I've a good no go. doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So for me, back to developmental, I've got two this week. Uh, the first is bottle tops that don't open when you got your milk. You know, and you get your milk out of the fridge and you pull the tab and then the cellophane layer is left under it. And then you have to get scissors or knife out and yeah, nightmare. Yeah, got to stab through and then it doesn't pour straight. So that's one. Uh, the other is because in my other, um, in my day job, I am a radio presenter. Bands that spell their names in complicated ways. And I'm seeing a, an epidemic of this. Um, there is a band, I think, called Churches, where the U is replaced with a V. There's Marshmallow, where I think an E is a three. There's Split Key. And when I'm presenting radio, I don't have time to work out all these bands and their names. I need it to be written. For, what was wrong with Lulu or Cher or something like that? As you know, do you know these type of bands I mean? Yes, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Um, Get in my goat. It makes it hard for me if I'm trying to find someone on Apple Music or Spotify and like, I don't know how to spell it. I just can't find them. Then I give up and find their music. So they're making it harder for themselves, these people. And earning a push for me this week is, God, I'm only 32, but earning a push for me this week is Jane McDonald goes cruising. Are you aware of cruising with Jane McDonald? I am not aware of cruising with Jane McDonald. Can you please give me a short rundown of that? Jane McDonald was a reality show star on the BBC who made her living on a show called Cruise, where she was a singer and she went cruising. And Channel 5 thought there's money in this and they bought her up and they send her off on cruises around the world. You will have no more fun in 50 minutes if you're feeling a bit under the weather or you just want to watch something than cruising with Jane McDonald. You take a diva from Wakefield, you shove her on a ship, you send around the world. You give her a selfie stick. She's in her element, Charlie. Honestly, she you would love jet cruising with Jane McDonald. When was this done? That can't be recent because of because the pandemic. So when was when was Jane off cruising? I mean, the, the really embarrassing thing is there have been about five series, I think, and we've started watching on catch up. So this isn't even a recent thing. Someone just said, oh, you should watch cruising with Jane McDonald. And the best thing is it's 50 minutes of cruising. And then at the end, because she's a singer, they sort of shoulder barge in a song based on where yeah. she's been yeah. and the production values are not high so when she went to Stockholm she sang the winner takes it all by ABBA she was on a did. ship called Proud Mary she did Proud Mary it looks like it's been shot on a like I don't know like an iPhone maybe it's not good but the whole thing together is brilliant so uh, cruising with Jane McDonald is earning the push from me and you should watch it I will the one thing I'll say is I went on a cruise two summers ago round the Icelandic fjords, and it was one of my favourite holidays ever, and I am all for cruising. I enjoy cruises. I'm a cruise fan. So maybe I'll have to see what Jane's saying about them. She would find you, mate. She, she, she asks every man, are you single? Every man on the cruise she meets. So um, anyway, that's what we're doing, uh, and we should probably look at wrapping this up. Remember, we're doing part two of Fantasy Booking, Charlie's Fantasy Booking of the Resurrection of Bray Wyatt next week. We'd love yours as well. Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com, uh, at charlie underscore Beckett, at jack underscore Murley. Rate, review, and subscribe, and share a bit of love for us on social media if you enjoy us. Uh, Mitch and Helen and other people have been doing that, which is brilliant. We should actually give a shout out to the boys at Colter who were very kind in giving us a nice mention yes they were um they're all very very kind and they are a lot better at this than we are so if we even get half as successful as they are we're doing very well but no thank you very much gents that was very kind of you now why say that look um before we wrap up final question how good are we going to feel coming out of double or nothing with crowds back how hoarse will our voices be having sung judas and wild thing yeah i think we're gonna be very excited i think it's got the potential to really over deliver on the lack of hype which as i said earlier aw really need right now 
And yeah, just seeing a full house again is going to just make us all smile and hopefully some really good wrestling as well. Yeah, we will talk about all of it next week, but for now, that will do us. Thank you so much for joining us. He's Charlie Beckett. I'm Jack Murley. This has been the Earning the Push podcast. We will see you again next week when we'll do it all again. Bye-bye.